What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Let's go right to our guest. Let's get to our Before he drives off the highway. Our guest has done some wheels off radio uh, segments in his time. Uh, our guest today is Mr. Bob Sturm of KTCK, no, The S- Ticket. Sports Radio 1310 and 96.7. 96.7. Also of the Dallas Morning News and Dallas News Sport, uh, DallasNews.com and SportsDayDFW.com, BobSturm.com. What other websites can we find you on? Covered it. I, I think that's everything. Does 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 your business card have all these things on it? All all those all your or all, all your work related activities are they all on your business card? Uh, I'll let you know the second I get a business card. But at this point, nobody has business me. cards anymore. You old man. Uh, all right, now Bob, let's get right to it. Yeah, let's get right to it after this incredibly stilted introduction. Boy, no kidding. Here, here, this this game yesterday, Bob. Here's my takeaway from this this Cowboys win over the Redskins that Kirk Cousins gift wrapped this win and handed it to the Cowboys. That was my takeaway. Well, I I don't think that's crazy. I think uh, Cousins was uh, was was pretty bad, and he's been pretty bad at times throughout his career. And then uh, he had that great run. Uh, what, November, December of last year, looked pretty bad in their playoff game and then looked pretty bad on Monday night against the Steelers and then looked pretty bad against the Cowboys. So his whole story is really interesting based on the fact that we have an athlete betting on himself and uh, turning down money on, you know, obviously he's getting $20 million this year, so he's not turning down all the money, but turning down money to bet on himself. And that's kind of looking like he's, uh, he's iced himself. He's called the timeout before his season and iced his own kicker, maybe Jeez. because uh, passes and missing open guys. And there was, you know, I mean, there's no question the Cowboys had a big advantage at quarterback yesterday, and that tells a bit of a story. If one quarterback's making six hundred grand and the other one's making twenty million or whatever it is, uh, uh, that's uh, you expect that to fall down those lines, but it obviously did not yesterday. Cousins absolutely sucked. I was I, I was aghast at it really how poorly he played in that game. But all of that said, it's a good win for the Cowboys. And, and any win right now is a good win. Yeah, it's a great win. It's a, you know, that's the thing is, I, I, I talking to Cowboy fans for a living is a really weird experience, uh, partly because they've all seen the promised land so many times. They know what a Lombardi trophy looks like. They know what a dynasty looks like. Uh, it's, so it's weird. It's this weird discussion where I think in the present tense, your average cowboy fan or media member always looks like uh, uh, either either this this loss sucks or this win sucks. Uh, none of these wins are uh, you know to the standard of what 
I what I demand as a cowboy consumer. And you know, I, I, I'm saying you want a road game inside the division against the defending division champs with a rookie quarterback. That's a decent accomplishment. I think it's okay to smile today, and you know, that's that, they they had to gut through it. And really, just like last week against the Giants, it came down to which team could make some plays in the fourth quarter. Last week they made almost none of them. And this week they made almost all of them. Yep. So uh, full marks to the Cowboys from where I sit. You know, one of the things I don't uh, – it, it's surprising to me, and I'd be the first to say this. Before the season started, I said that, uh, that look, you're going to have to have some growing pains with the quarterback, right? I mean, he's just a kid. He's a fourth-round draft pick. How much can you put on him? Well, I will say this. Two weeks in a row now, he, you know, certainly they got Des Bryant involved in the offense much more against the Redskins than they did against the Giants. He's really done very little wrong. I he's mean, been exceptional. I, I can't get over the fact that, you know, and he's done a little bit more. He's, he's, he ran the ball yesterday for a touchdown. Um, uh, and, you know, and I didn't have a problem with him not getting out there and running too much. The last thing they need is for Mark Sanchez to w- walk into that game and take it over. So, yeah. so I, I'm, just, yeah. I'm, I'm just amazed at the job that he has done. And, and, I, and I really don't have a problem when everybody complained about that first week and said, oh, it's, it's too conservative. You know, you needed to get the ball to Des Bryant. There's no question about that. Uh, but I think all things considered, he's played about as well as you could expect. I I, I think it, it it was too conservative in the first week. I don't I don't lay that at, at Dak's feet. I lay that at the coaching staff's feet. And and I think in some ways it was too conservative a lot this week. But I do think that what Dak Prescott has done is shown that he can make some plays. And he he needed. There was one situation yesterday where the Cowboys needed a big run. Uh, he got out of the pocket, ran, got got himself out of bounds. Then there was another situation where he started to get out of the pocket, saw that he was going to get hit, and, and and took a slide. And those are those are good presence of mind um, uh, plays. At, uh, Bob, do you feel like he's earned any more? Do you feel like the coaching staff is is going to continue to keep the reins on him, or do you think they're going to open things up more? You know what? Honestly, I'll sit here and say I'm not positive I agree with the fact that they have reins on them. Uh, you know, I, I my biggest thing last week was they weren't throwing Dez the ball often enough, but they took four shots down the field uh, on those go routes. Uh, so, you know, when we say conservative, I guess I'm thinking Brandon Whedon against the Patriots last year where they or against the Falcons even, where they really didn't even throw the ball past the line of scrimmage with any regularity. They almost didn't use their wide receivers at all. In these first two games, he's thrown the ball 75 times. And yesterday, it was 10 yards an attempt. I mean, these are great. These are really, really solid numbers for Tony Romo. So, you know, I mean, uh, the, the my overall view of Dak Prescott is, frankly, off the charts. I, I do think he was great last week. And I think he was even better this week. And I think his football IQ is high, his poise. In fact, if I can go all the way back to the Rams preseason game, I added it up today for uh, my piece on the blog, and uh, I came up with 255 snaps. He has been the Cowboys' quarterback. And now if you were to identify his worst play of those 255 snaps, which, which is about a quarter of a season, by the way, he almost threw an interception in the home preseason game against the Dolphins. And that's pretty much... Hit a almost interception. Now he's not going to continue at that pace. No quarterback does. But for from where I sit, 255 snaps. Prescott has found big plays. He has avoided disastrous plays. And uh, I don't know how any.
anybody could have anything less than an A-plus on this guy well, through, uh, as far as we've seen. He, he doesn't try to force the ball anywhere. You know, we've seen he's willing to go down, or when he gets in the grasp, we, we've seen he doesn't just throw the ball uh, nilly-willy. Is that the right Willy word? Willy-nilly. Willy-nilly. Yeah. He doesn't throw the ball willy-nilly. He was doing the last name first. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, you don't want to be willy-nilly. No. But 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 he he's just he's been nobody in their right mind who who knows about these things could have expected this to happen. Correct? No, there's no way. In fact, let me double down on that and say right now, with the information we have, if they do the 2016 draft again, he's going higher than Ezekiel Elliott. He's probably going higher than uh, just about anybody, including the quarterbacks. And uh, I, I imagine the Rams will still on buff, maybe, and the Eagles may still on wins. But you're telling me Zach, Zach uh, uh, Prescott doesn't go in the top five? No, he he's certainly made as big an impact as any as any rookie already. And I and I think one of the things too that that you have to see here as well is that, and I and I think Troy Aikman made this point during the Giants broadcast was that as as good as this offensive line is, it's it's a better pass blocking offensive line than a run blocking line, and and they have really given him a lot of time, and now he's making the the reads and the progressions and all of that. He's created I, some extra time for himself. He yeah. has to, but I would like to see what he does in the face of a really good pass rush. I, I want to see what he does when he gets pressure. Is he, is he going to you know throw the ball into traffic? Is he going to make some bad decisions? Well, because so far he hasn't made any, but but he has had an awful lot of time to work. With what he's done, but isn't this well. offensive line there to guarantee he doesn't well, see a really good pass? Rush? Absolutely. So maybe he doesn't. You know, maybe he doesn't see that. And then this is and, and and you know, here's the great thing about this to me is that this has done nothing but I'm I'm assuming building his confidence, and that the more confident he gets, the better he's going to be. You know, one of the things I think you see with so many quarterbacks is that these guys they get a pass rush in their face, and things start to go down. That's what we saw yesterday with with Kirk Cousins. He looked awful. You know, he looked. Awful making the throws. He was, I mean, some of the throws that first uh, that that first pass he missed the on, on the overthrow. Well, first of all, you had two overthrows and one underthrow because if he hits Dotson on the run, that's a touchdown. You know, so he cost his team at least twenty-one points. I mean, and, and I know we can say that about quarterbacks, but when you're standing there and you have time to throw. That's a throw you make every day in practice, every day, every day, every day, and not to be able to make a throw like that. We've and what we've seen so far from Dak is that he makes all the throws he's supposed to make. You know who makes those throws? Shane Bouchelle makes those throws. Well, I think anybody well, makes them. I think you can go ahead and get a high school kid to make those throws. I, I think weeks four, five, and six with uh, the 49ers pass rush, which uh, is not necessarily renowned, but they do have some guys who can get to the quarterback. The Bengals pass rush. Green Bay's pass rush looked pretty salty last night. So those three in a row will uh, test. And I, you know, in 2014, this offensive line was thought of as a better run-blocking offensive line. Uh, Rollo got sacked 36 times or so and got uh, beat up in, a, in, in a, quite a few games. So we'll see. You know, it's, it's an interesting question. But really what I come back to is Prescott has not had much of a running game in either of these first two performances. Uh, 3.4 yards of carries where the Cowboys are right now. 60 carries for only 203 yards on the season. That's uh, that's really low production for this offensive line. So maybe they can balance this thing up and uh, really get cooking here. I don't know. Do, do you agree with Kevin's assessment that the uh, that the offensive line is a better pass blocking unit? I think than that was blocking? Troy Aikman's assessment, not mine. That was just. What no, he you don't said. want to pat, pat yourself on the back for that one. No, I do not. Okay. All right, so do you agree with Kevin? Would you agree with Kevin and Troy? <laughs> well, uh, the 
those are those are two great football minds for sure. There but you, I, you know, my, my my position is that. I think you can get to Romo when he's your quarterback uh, with a pass rush, but when that zone scheme is working well, uh, there's very little you can do, and the running back gets into the secondary untouched. Whatever for whatever reason, we're not seeing that right now, and uh, I think that's interesting that teams are trying to take away the run. Will yesterday's performance make the Bears consider a different way to attack uh, Dak Prescott in Week Three? Yeah, that's well, what I think. Will they flip the script now? That that that's what's interesting to me. I I think that you will start to see that now. I think that you will start to see teams say, "All right, we 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 seen this guy do uh, what he can do, so now we're going to back off a little bit." And uh, and and I think this does change the dynamic. You know, Evan raised. I was going to make a point. Evan yeah. raised his hand, and I allowed him to interrupt. You yeah. just you just interrupted. Make your point. Howie, two things. Howie Long, uh, uh, since we're quoting Fox uh, broadcast, Howie Long says. That it's as very, long as it's not Roger Ailes. It, it's, very, it's very hard to run block when you don't go way downfield uh, passing the ball, too. Right. So that, that, that's another thing. And, and, Bob, you brought this up, and I wanted to ask you this. Grade the Cowboy draft right now. Wow. Well, I mean, obviously the fact that uh, Zeke has not looked uh, anything special, uh, and I, I never liked that pick to begin with. Uh, I know it's annoying to have uh, someone repeat that over and over again, so I try to let it go. But I thought it was crazy to take a running back at number four with this offensive line and with uh, really the entire league saying, you don't take running backs that high in the draft anymore because their career spans are so so short and because so many good running backs can be found deep in the draft. Your linebacker, Jalen Smith, who I think might be the most talented guy uh, the Cowboys got in this draft, uh, will not play this year. I'm almost certain of it. So now we're down to, uh, you know, Malik Collins and Charles Tapper. Tapper, who can't even practice. Malik Collins, who's flashing at times. So I want to, uh, you know, give him a, a chance. But, gosh, if you got a quarterback, if you if you have Tony Romo's successor, then your draft is a, uh, what, at worst a B just for him. I mean, that's, uh, that's the rarity of if you find a quarterback who can be your uh, QB1 for – uh, even a handful of years, if you find him after the fourth round, which they did in those compensatory picks, I think you'd have to be delighted with the draft. But but let's be honest, he's the only rookie that we're really seeing anything from right now. Right. Uh, so 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 far, it's it's pretty but, pretty but, sparse. But he makes up for but he makes up for everybody else, doesn't he? Of oh, course he does. Okay. Well, here's the thing, though, and of course we haven't seen anything from Charles Tapper. So let's talk about the defense so far. Uh, you know, it hasn't been a lights-out defense. I'm not sure why that Durant wasn't on the field until the end of the game, and he makes two of the biggest plays in the game, certainly <clears throat> excuse me, from the Cowboys' side. Yeah, I think, I think they're a little worried about how much he can play. If you remember, Durant has uh, had durability issues, so I think they want to be careful with his snaps, and I think they want Anthony Hitchens to do a lot of the heavy lifting, but I'm not sure Anthony Hitchens is capable of it, to be honest, especially against the run. We saw the Giants just absolutely gash him right down the middle, and that was very, very uh, problematic. But, you know, I mean, defensively, they're in a real pickle because, frankly, even at full strength, they're undermanned. Uh, DeMarcus Lawrence, I think, is, uh, you know, headed for a breakout this year. I think he had a pretty good year last year, and I think he's going to really add to this thing in a couple of weeks. But um, you need more than that, and you probably need a Jalen Smith to get out 
front of the field, and you probably need another draft to get a couple difference makers. But I think, you know, overall, they can probably get in the area of average uh, with this schedule defensively if a few things go right for them. But a lot of it is based around, you know, getting more from Tyrone Crawford, getting more from Cedric Thornton, those guys up front. They've got to make they, – they got to at least be good at something. And in week one, they weren't good at stopping the run or stopping the pass. That's a bad combination, as you guys know. So, uh, yes, go on. What's shocking to me watching this defense is that, um, you know, listen, there's other than Sean Lee, there's not a bright light anywhere on there going into the season. And yet what we're seeing, and that's probably not a, a little unfair to say to someone about Byron Jones, but now we see it in the regular season – you know, we we seen Brandon Carr got an interception after what a an eight year you know drought of whatever that was. The ball was right in his hand. Well, still he got an interception, and, and then and then Mo Claiborne is right. is all of a sudden playing like a, a legitimate DB. Do we think that the reason why he's playing so well is because he's been healthy and been able to practice? Because that's that's been kind of the the uh, the mo so far is that well he's never healthy, he can't practice, therefore he's not confident when he plays, and it looks like it on the field. Yeah, I, I, I am. Uh, I'm going to be a skeptic a little bit on Mo Claiborne just because we've seen so little for so long. I'm going to need to see it for a while before we get carried away. In fact, if you'll review uh, last season, I want to say all the way up until like the New Orleans game. So what was that? The fourth game. Yeah. Uh, there were there were people saying, "Hey, how about this Mo Claiborne start?" And people were getting really excited about him. And then that was about the last we heard about him. He got banged up again. He disappeared late in the season. So, I think, you know, as a general rule, obviously having Scandrick and Byron Jones playing new, different roles from last season, the secondary will make more sense. Obviously, they had some busts, but they're playing. More man. They went to zone last uh, yesterday and uh, just about gave up a massive touchdown to Dotson. So you know it's it's clearly a a team that needs a pass rush and they need better linebacker play to uh, have any consistency. But the difference between week one and week two is pretty simple. It's the ability, and maybe this is all Kirk Cousins, but it's the ability to limit those red zone drives to field goals and even a takeaway as opposed to Eli punching it in for seven every time they cross the 20. Yeah, the, uh, those, those two field goals uh, with, with a short field on back-to-back possessions, that, that, those were wins for the Cowboys. I, and, and it brings me to this point, Bob, and, and, and guys, I, I want to get your input. What was your immediate reaction on the onside kick, and what's your, what's your, immediate, what's your reaction 24 hours later? Well, my, my thought is uh, I am totally fine with uh, Jason Garrett trying to steal possessions, uh, knowing where his defense is right now, Absolutely. knowing he's got a couple guys suspended. So that fourth and one, for those guys in the first quarter of a game to allow their rookie quarterback to go a play-action waggle to their third tight end, Jeff Swain, on a fourth and one, was uh, that, that was the most un-Jason Garrett-like thing I've seen in a while. And uh, and then to pull off the uh, surprise onside kick, I don't I don't want to judge him based on results. Results dependent coaching criticism kind of you know gives me tired head. I, I think you have to kind of evaluate the decision based on the premise, not the outcome. Right. And on both 
Because I'm, I'm totally down with Jason Garrett saying, hey, we're on the road. We need to steal a possession here. Let's go for it. I, Kevin? Oh, well, you know, I, I, I watched that, that play there, and I, I don't know how – well, first of all, I don't know how, how good uh, uh, you know Bailey is on on onside kick. We never see him well, do them. After right? just so you know, after the game, Garrett said he he spot on in practice at that. Is that right? That's what Garrett said. Well, so, that was right after he said we played our we played our asses off. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, I, I'm with Bob. I don't have a problem with that either, just for the reasons right, you so. cite. Because especially when you're a team that's that's a little bit desperate right now, right? You know, you're 0 1. You don't want to be 0 2. No, and and I, and I think what we've seen from from Jason, uh, you know, pretty much throughout his his tenure here as the, as the head coach of the Cowboys, is that I'm going to play this close to the best, and we're going to win it in the fourth quarter. And that, and he's seen time and time again that that has not worked. That that is his that is his mode of operation every time, and that's what the, that's what ended up happening this week as well. Right, is, you know they're going to play it close. Barry, what was your immediate reaction? I loved it. You loved I, it. I I I, I like Bob. I, I thought I thought it was a play. For the same reasons, you, that, that what's the difference if you make against the, that defense? The Redskins were to go forty yards. I think it, they they kicked a field goal after that. They, no, they kicked a field goal on the, uh, after the onside kick. Yeah, but so you know, I, I thought the Redskins the Redskins had no trouble marching the ball down the field. I thought it was a terrific call. I, and, and my immediate reaction was, you just took the lead. Why are you trying something that's got at best a fifty fifty shot? And potentially gives them a shorter field against your defense. Did you think it was a surprising call? Yeah, oh, I did think it was a surprising call. call. Yeah, maybe, yeah. The Reds, maybe the Redskins thought the same thing and, were, and weren't prepared. Very, very much. Uh, but I, I just, uh, Bob, what are your? I, I have not studied this. You have analytics on onside kicks and what's what the uh, success rate is. Well, the the. Problem with the success rate study, which I think is, man, I, I want to say it's forty percent, but I haven't looked in a while. But the problem with that is, there's a big difference between the obvious onside kick situation and the ambush. Right. And I think the only thing that kept them from getting the ball there was just Dan Bailey's poor execution. Right. Uh, the Redskins were not sitting on that at all. And I imagine in a in a properly executed ambush. Uh, I bet you it goes well above fifty percent, but I'm totally shooting from the hip there. Right, and plus now now you've shown that, uh, and and so now teams are going to be prepared for the possibility. So I don't know how how often you get to to do that. Uh, right, that's not something you're going to be able to pull off every week. No, no. Well, you know, I, I, for all the th- the you know the the ups and downs of this game and what they and what they did in this game, I I, I still have a hard time getting past the fact that that uh, Kirk Cousins Sucks. gift, gift wrapped the game, and 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 it, this could have been a game that the Cowboys easily could have lost forty something to you know twenty seven. But let's just go. Let's go to the last minute of the game. Right. Okay, that they can't. The Redskins can't execute a spike. Right, and then right. you're going to throw a hail mary, and you throw it through the end zone. Well, he was just all over the map. He's throwing it through. The, he's throwing it short. He's throwing long. He's just all over the map. They, oh, they, they did everything they possibly could to wrap that up for the Cowboys. He did not have a good game. Okay, no. let's 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 get up, move on from that. No, but I, I think that, I think this <laughs> Something that we need to point out, though, guys, is that the Cowboys in 2015, and everyone wants to forget about that year, and I understand why, but one thing we don't remember very well is that this team had to play Tom Brady, 
uh, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and you just start going down the list. Dude, their their home schedule was uh, both teams from the Super Bowl the, the previous year, and then one team that went to the Super Bowl that year, and, and that's a brutal, brutal schedule. This year, they replaced those heavyweights with Tampa Bay and Cleveland. And, and so I guess what I'm saying is Kirk Cousins probably better represents the average quarterback they're going to face this season than, uh, than, than, you know, Eli Manning does. Do they not? Uh, They face Jay Cutler this week. Right. That's a, that's a great, a great segue. What about the bears? What about Jay Cutler? Well, I mean, uh, we'll get a good look at them tonight, but, uh, uh, the bears have a very, very poor offense. Uh, they are trying to get, Elshon Jeffrey to dominate games, and they have that Kevin White kid from West Virginia who has yet to do anything in the NFL. They're replacing Matt Forte. Uh, everyone's still wondering why they let Brandon Marshall go to, to the Jets a year ago. Uh, they are in the early stages of a massive rebuild, and uh, that's a team you'd like to think you can beat at home. Now, it's the NFL, and that I know that's cliche, but basically that means if you're one of those 28 teams in the middle of this league. Uh, there is no such thing as a cupcake and uh, or a walkover or anything like that. So um, you'd like to think you can beat the Bears at home. You'd like to think you can beat Blaine Gabbard and the 49ers on the road. But you can also lose those games. As, as, as we have seen, the Cowboys should be competitive this year with or without Tony Romo. But that simply means they will be in position to compete every Sunday rather than getting uh, absolutely their uh, their faces mopped all over the NFL floor like they did with uh, Whedon and Castle at times last year. Now, let me ask you something about uh, – let's go back to Dak, because I don't think we can make too much of this. You know, uh, going into the draft, where did you have Dak Prescott rated among your quarterback prospects? Uh, that's a great question. I would say, I would say at the bottom of my top five, which – in this draft means probably in the third round. And, uh, you know, I, there were plenty of rumors that the Broncos were looking at him in the second. But the Broncos ended up taking their quarterback in the first with Paxton Lynch, so they no longer were a competitor. So, so then if Prescott went in the third round, it would not have shocked anybody. He got a DUI in March, which – might have cost him, uh, you know, 50 spots in the draft. And and so I, I, I liked him as probably the fifth best quarterback in this draft, and I think he went as about the eighth best quarterback. In did did you like him better than you liked Jacoby Brissett? Is that, is that pronounced? Yes. Per- yeah. oh, but Br- Jacoby yeah. Brissett went ahead of him, correct? Yes, he did. To, yeah. to, a, and, and to a team that, that's known to, to know something about quarterbacks. About quarterbacks. He's with the New England Patriots. Maybe the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. And the, thing, the thing about Dak, though, as I recall, so, well, look, look, on this draft, no, no, I want to talk I, about I, specifics I of, the, just, of the player because I, I started this whole thing. Stop talking about Jacoby Brissett. No. Is that it's important. Th- it's this an important guy point. Had, I, if it was Brissett, it would be okay. But Brissett. No, I'm, but my point is that Bill Belichick passed up on it. Passed, passed it up. Let's, let's, not rip, let's not rip Bill Belichick. I'm not ripping him. I think it's an interesting point. The point is, well, I want to talk about mechanics here, is that one of the things that we had heard about, Dak, was that, that the scouts didn't like his footwork, 
thought that, uh, you know, questioned whether he'd be able to work under center, which they say about all quarterbacks coming out of college these days. But there were, there were mechanical issues here. They talked about his, his accuracy downfield, that, that his footwork caused those kinds of problems. We're not seeing any of that now. And, 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 and so what, what happened to all, those, to, to all those prognostications about him? Well, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's this draft. It's it's the way the whole thing works, and there aren't there are, there aren't good answers. Is what I want to start with. Uh, the the old thing about the Patriots is if they knew how good Tom Brady really was, they don't take him in the sixth round. They take him uh, way earlier than that. They, you know, the Patriots passed on Tom Brady five times. So you know, when you start talking about what makes a quarterback work and what doesn't, the one thing we can't measure is you know, what's between his ears. And if there is a most impressive characteristic about Dak Prescott for me, it's the fact that he looks like he has a very high football IQ. He looks like he is not rattled in the slightest. Uh, I realize, by the way, that's a dangerous thing because Sam Bradford and Eli Manning always look rattled. Yes. So I don't know I don't know the value of looking rattled or looking calm, but Dak Prescott in a huddle seems to offer the idea that he knows what he's doing and he knows how to do it and uh, you can trust him. And uh, that that's pretty obvious right now. And I don't know if he can extend this for another two weeks or ten years, but it's pretty cool to see right now. Uh, I, I think it also should be said that the Cowboys, to their credit, and they seldom get credit because, well, for me, I would have fired Jason Garrett a long time ago personally. But uh, – just to look at the way the Cowboys have handled Prescott and this offense, they seem to have figured out a real NFL bugaboo, which is to try to take a college quarterback and make him fit into what we do. I really like that I don't think the Cowboys are running Tony Romo's offense at all. I kind of get the impression that a lot of what they are doing is Dak Prescott-specific, and it sort of meshes with what he did at Mississippi State and what Ezekiel Elliott did at Ohio State, and it, it fits right now. So, uh, you know, I think I think the Cowboys deserve some credit there for not trying to teach him football again, but rather kind of let him do what he's comfortable doing. And I, I think Barry's, to Barry's point, and, and his point is, is, is well made, that, look, it, right now it looks like Dak Prescott was an absolute steal in the fourth round. Um, I I don't know what you'll be able to make of all the other quarterbacks that, that went ahead of him, but two weeks in, he certainly looks like he's ready for the NFL. And I, I agree with your point about the, the thing for me is it looks like his internal mental clock has slowed the game down to where he's able to process reads, process, process what's being thrown at him. We also – I think we also – all have agreed here that he's probably going to start to see more complex defensive looks and more uh, uh, more pressure over the next few weeks. But but the question now is is going to become this: he's playing really well, and if this team continues to respond well to him, what is the situation? I I don't want to get into this. It, you don't want to get into a quarterback controversy thing, but what does happen when Tony's healthy? Man, this is one of the great questions that, on one hand, feels preposterous to even discuss, and on the other hand, feels like something that might be right around the corner. Yep. Uh, the, the the scenario I wonder about, guys, actually involves Romo's return, and then maybe 
the team not playing as well as they were under Prescott. Now, this seems ridiculous. I can barely say it without smiling or laughing, but uh, I, I have a feeling like you could potentially see a, a fan base, uh, not right away, but maybe maybe uh, by the end of this season, uh, a fan base that's kind of split down the middle on who they want to see in the huddle. Oh, I, uh, so I think on. you've already seen this. I, I think you, I think you could see it as quickly as one week back. I mean, I, I think there will be a good number of fans who say, "Okay, give, give it's Tony's offense. Let Tony run it." Blah blah blah. If he goes out and loses his first game back, and they're four and two with Dak at quarterback, uh, these are it's a fickle fan base, and you are going to run into that whole situation of. Well, should we turn the should we make the future commitment right oh, now? I think I think if you were to poll most fans right now, most Cowboys fans, I think the majority would say I would rather go with Dak from here on out because they've seen what they've seen a couple of athletic plays. Yeah, well, they've seen that, and they they they've seen him play well enough. And he's and, young, and people always like the young players, and they haven't seen a championship well, and, under and Tony. They feel at the end Tony will always disappoint and Tony somehow, will, or Tony will get we'll, hurt. We'll, we'll almost will almost disappoint. I think it's a, f- a great question, Evan. You could pat yourself on the back for that one. Oh, thank you, Kurt. And uh, that was I, let me let me ask you another quick question, Bob. Before before we go, uh, okay. the, the running back situation with Zeke Elliott and Alfred Morris. Do you think the Cowboys should or will uh, use Morris more? Uh, use him more, yeah, probably. But the idea of flipping their roles is uh, crazy. I right. don't. You weren't suggesting that, but no. I, I've already heard some people say. You know, does Morris need more of the carries or more of a role? I think Alfred Morris is a perfect backup running back in this league, and he is the classic case of somebody who has 10 touches. Uh, you're fine with him. If you had to give him 25 touches, you would uh, you would want to replace him in Washington last year. I think he's I think he's perfect in this role. I think Elliott um, kind of looks like a guy who didn't do anything in training camp. And uh, perhaps a guy who has been assured that uh, it's going to be, you know, easy sledding in the NFL. I don't know. I mean, it's it's so early. Uh, he's better than this. Like I said, I don't think they needed him in this draft. I think they could have got by with uh, any number of options in free agency or in the draft itself. They could have had Derrick Henry from Alabama in round two instead of Jalen Smith. I mean, yep. there's a lot of things they could have done, but that, since they have him, I think we should all recognize that his pedigree is pretty spotless. His fumble rate is almost non-existent at Ohio State. So um, he's, he's demonstrated some warts, but I think this is a small sample size uh, judgment that a lot of people are making already. I, I, Zeke is going to be the least of your worries, I imagine, in a couple months. All right, Bob, we know you have your own show um, to prepare for, uh, and um, we are going to let you run for today. This has been, as usual, fantastic inside football talk. Um, love talking to you, and uh, we'll follow you on all the various platforms on which you appear. Well, it's an honor to be uh, invited onto the show, and uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate it, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, Bob. Take care. That's, See you, Bob. That's too kind. He's being too kind. It was. It, it's not really an honor. It's no, not an honor. It's not an honor. I, it, 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 I mean, it, it takes. It's certainly no honor for me. I can say that. It takes a lot to put up it's with. It's no us. honor. It's no honor to be in the presence of Evan and myself. No. For, for no. Two and not. a half hours every Monday morning. It, it's it's labor. Let me tell you, it's labor. It's just taking years off my life. That's what it is. Kevin, 
here's I just listened to a little bit of I listened to a little bit of the Jason post game press conference and yeah. I don't know maybe maybe he has a different persona in the in the locker room but it does not inspire me that there is something going on the players love him Evan I'll, I, just, I'll tell you that right now because he doesn't a, hang him out he doesn't hang him yeah did, 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 you you saw the halftime interview yesterday he, here's with, the thing. with Pam I, Oliver and it, and Jay Gruden hung out Kirk Cousins on national television it does right? not matter Jason doesn't do that does not matter if the players love him what matters is does he get the most out of his players he might he maybe he does I, I I'll say this you, you look at that defense it's I, I was wanted to ask Bob that uh about you know of all people to miss they miss Rolando McLean you know that that guy's a thumper in in the middle of the of a defense right. and for as big a goofball as he is he is a thumper and so that's what they need desperately it's, they certainly needed that against the Giants that's what killed them there and, and he was a great run stopper so you know, uh, that's going into the season. It's like that's why I've, I said, you know, how how can you pick this team to go more than seven and nine with a with a rookie quarterback and that defense? Sure. It, 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 as Sean Lee, as great as Sean Lee is, this has been two pretty nondescript games for him. He almost had an interception yesterday, almost. Which it, which almost. he, he did, and but, that was a, it was a typical Sean Lee kind of play. Great, but was, I, I want I want to go back to this for, for one minute. I, I, I mean, I, we know this defense is going to be a challenge for them all year. Right. Um, that's why, you know, those two few I, – I, I feel like those two consecutive possessions where they had a short field and they held the Redskins to field goals were huge wins for this defense. Absolutely. And maybe they get a little bit of, of, of momentum this out of that. Maybe they get a little bit of, of, of confidence out of it. But for me, it, it still comes down to this. You know, and, and you're – I'm in the car yesterday. I'm listening to the press conference after the game, and we as reporters, we try and glean what we can out of these press conference snippets and everything, and I'm not around Jason that much, but the two things that that go through my mind are this quote about, this line about, well, we played our asses off, and it it just sounded to me like something that he, I'm going to insert the word ass here so that it it sounds more intense. And then the, the second part is he always speaks so fast when spitting out the words in a press conference like he just wants out of there and maybe he does well you know he's an interesting guy because he's a lot more interesting if you get him off to the side uh you know you hear him in other elements other than the press conferences he looked he views a press conference as a necessary evil like all coaches do and he gives very robotic answers. Is you know that's not what he's like in real life. And and, and you know they have something called as you know the walk off, which is uh, after the cameras are put away, right. and you go and talk to him. And he's fascinating in 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 walk. I don't know if I'd say fascinating, he but he's, I, he's I've, I've been good. there. He's fascinating. Well, I've been there too. I don't have a, a personal relationship. With I don't him like have a personal do. relationship with him. Either. Oh, he, you most certainly he, do he, have he, a personal he, relationship he, with him. He's your boy. He, he's why is he fascinating, Barry? Because he will he will say things in the walk off or, or w- without the cameras and the tape recorders rolling that are very informational. And he's much more of a smart aleck too in the uh, he in the walk offs than he is. Than, than, oh, yeah, have, much more. That's that's why people I, put too much into the to the press conference. I don't really care about well, press the, conferences. Uh, the the press conferences are you know, and I'm looking at it in that way with no with no screen in front of me, right. listening just to the voice. That's your opportunity to speak directly to your fan base. Yeah, it is, and you know, he I don't did, think enough managers and coaches—they don't understand that. There's right. no question. You're right; they don't, uh, and they, but they—they're weighing 
what I got to go get. It's just like last week in the first week when Jason was asking about the sun coming in through the windows, right? right. And what did he say? I don't want to talk about that. I don't right. want to talk about that. Why doesn't he want to talk about it? Because, because he, he thinks it's a problem, too, obviously, he, and he doesn't want to go against Jerry Jones on I that. Like because to, he knew what Jerry was going to say, right. which was ridiculous. Right? I would like to point this out, though. He yes. said the sun has been around for about 5 billion years. And 5 billion more. And will be around for 5 billion more. And I immediately Googled. And the prediction is that the sun will die out in five billion years. So oh. he knew that. Have you taken have you taken taken some action against that ha- to, to save your family when that happens? Yes. <laughs> future future generations of grants. Yes. Oh my God. There will be no such. What thing. a scary thing! Future generations of grants. And you know, it's like when we had Moose on, and and we talked with Moose about the the idea of dealing with press interviews, and and he talked about. He, he talked about Aikman and how how Troy dealt with all that stuff, and uh, it, it is, uh, in a lot of ways, it's a no win situation for for coaches now because we are going to dissect everything they say. I just, you know, you want, you you just want to. It, it feels to me like like it it, it all it, it is all forced, and I guess at the end of the day, it is all forced because it is. it is. It's a necessary, like you say, it's a necessary evil after the game. People don't understand how – I don't think the general fan, whether it's a manager or a coach or, or, or uh, an NFL head coach, 10 minutes after the game, probably about the worst time to try and talk to anybody that, that you know who you the, the best guy I ever heard after a game? The best guy I ever heard after a game was Mac Brown. He didn't always say what you wanted him to say, but no one analyzed the game. He would sit down and analyze the game. And it was, I, I As if he'd watch the video and everything? On yes. It. Yeah. it was unbelievable how he could do that and, and, and expressed it so well. I, I, I don't put a lot of stock in, in that kind of stuff, and I think Jason's attitude is, is that I'm capable of handling this really well, but I don't want to. And I don't want to say any. I don't want to risk anything that gets me in trouble in the in the locker room with any of these guys, or, or with his owner, or with my owner, because because I think he knows that. I think he knows the personality is the owner. The owner comes in. What other owner comes in? What other GM comes into the locker room? Nobody's GM. Nobody's owner comes into the locker room after the game, and everybody goes to him, and he will talk about every single thing that happens, and he will talk from the heart about all of it. He'll give you a medical report, medical updates. Oh, my gosh, it's unbelievable. So so I'm sure that's what that Jason is thinking. That's what Jerry's here for. And, and I'll let Jerry do that and, and take all the lumps, because he will. And, and then I'll just be straight ahead on all this. I think that the big thing for me that, uh, with, with Jason as a head coach and as we as, as Barry's trying to wrap this up is that, you know, at, at some point he has to be a more assertive head coach. And, 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 and I don't mean that by everybody thinks that means going against Jerry. I don't, I'm not talking about that. Be more assertive on the field. You know, I think he started to show some signs of that, like, like the onside kick. Be decisive. Say that this is what you're going to do. There's a lots of different kinds of intelligence. You know, Babe Loffenberg once said about Jason Garrett, I'd vote for him for president. Right. You know, that's, that's what he thinks of him. He thinks he's that smart of a guy. No, I, I, I think what you're saying on the assertiveness side is, is, is be, be just, yeah. G- give your team a reason to believe in you. Have a real identity. You know, it's just what. Have Phillip, a coaching but they, but identity. They do, I think they really do well, but, believe but, but, in Philip Tanner, no, I don't think so. They, they like him. They don't know if they believe in him. It's Barry, like Philip Tanner said about. About his clock management. Yeah, yeah. You think that Philip Tanner is the only guy on that team who thought that? There is know. there is a huge oh, difference for me. There's a huge difference for me in players loving a coach and players. players who want to play for a coach. coach? They play for they play play. play. Here, here's the they thing. They play okay. for Rod Marinelli. Let me, let me say this. All right, 
and, and I know this is gonna this is gonna be kind of a narrative, and, and I, there's no way to definitively make this case, but Terrence Williams does not cut in bounds for Bill Belichick. That does not happen. I don't think he'd be around if he did. Correct. That does not happen. You know, and, where's, and, the, where's the asthma field? And, and, and so I, I do think that there's there's still a difference between coaches getting the most out of players well, it, and and players who if, love If he coach. thought he had a better wide receiver uh, to put out there than Terrence Williams, he would. Well, then why didn't he get a better wide receiver? Because he doesn't. He he's he's not in charge of the draft. He's got some input there. He's not. He's. Not, I, I I I will bet you a doll, dollars to donuts that he was not for the Jalen Smith uh, pick. But see, I thought that's about being assertive. I, I I bet he wasn't either. But I bet he didn't say we cannot do that. Right. You know. Especially. Well, uh, we don't know. Now, now now we're guessing. And and I want I want to take this guessing theme to a, to a new level. I have a text message here from Tim Collishaw. Do you know Tim? I, I do know him. And he says, I flew home with Susan Hurley. Be nice and act like you know who that is. I have no idea. Do you? Never heard of her. Do you, Kevin? How do you spell Hurley? Hurley? H-U-R-L-E-Y. I th- oh, of the uh, of the Huntsville Hurley. I don't know. I, 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 th- I, thought, I thought she was maybe the former Dallas District Attorney. I don't know. There were No, there that were. That was Susan Hawk. Oh, okay. Yeah, Susan, well, that was close. I don't know. So I think everybody's assignment when we get out of here, which should be soon, to find out who Susan She's Hurley not is. one of the Hurley sisters who are the fencers from San Antonio and Houston. You want to pat yourself off the back for doing that story? No. I believe you asked him a question. You asked him what I know about the Hurleys. You know what? You're constantly taking shots at me about things that I that I say are, uh, are right. I Only because I love you. I don't know. I'm making it into, I feel like I'm not loved uh, here. Well, listen, it's 11. It's late. It's 11.30. We've been on for 45 minutes. Some of us have other things to do today. What do you got to do today? I got to go do Sports Day on air in 30 minutes. Oh. And that's why that's why I never try had to, time to write. Try to top my performance last week in which I choked on air. You, were you on the asthma field last week? I was. I was very much. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.